Top names, little tree for your membrane. This the night hour time frame. I just snatched up a six pack, got my hands on a lid pack, whipping up a little batch of snacks. Yeah, man, I think I'm all set. Late night, can't sleep. Go ahead and just tap in. Better grab you a cold one, and we about to get some laughs in. Wild card on the microphone. He'll hit you with a couple flurries. Y'all need to just strap in for some entertainment sports commentary. Out the reservoir. Wild card bar. Everybody grab a seat, cause you know we about to spark. Late night sports talk. Homodelo listen, God. Man, you don't wanna start. Wild card bar. We about to raise the bar. Wild card bar. Everybody grab a seat, cause you know we about to spark. Late night sports talk. Homodelo listen, God. Man, you don't wanna start. Wild card bar. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What is happening? Your boy Wakama here. I'm feeling good, feeling great, feeling great, feeling good. Here with another episode of IOW Sports Late Night Isle Edition. It's episode 395. And of course, got to give a shout out to my guy, Silent Hill, TDS. That's my brother right there. Make the dope intro for the podcast. Make sure you tap in with him. Scroll in at the bottom of your screen. All right. Itch Hikers. Check my brother out. Check my brother out. Always got to show some love and support to my brother right there. Uh, and of course, while you over there uh, chopping it up with him, chop it up with myself and the rest of the IOW Sports crew, IOW Sports Network, Facebook, Instagram, most supporting the you. YouTube channel. Make sure you like. Make sure you share. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that bell notification. Ding! Every time it lets you know when we drop new content, drop an episode, go live, whatever the case may be. Uh, make sure you hit that bell notification. And of course, 
Auto Sports One on Twitter. You want to chop it up with me personally, Casey Wildcard Mar. You did. I'm on the Twitter. I still call it Twitter. I don't Ooh. care what they say. All right, I still call it Twitter. All right, they can call it X, Twix, whatever. I call it Twitter. All right, uh, Casey Wildcard Mar. That's where I'm at. Uh, or Facebook and Instagram, uh, Wildcard Mar. Hey, but look, I got a dope show planned for y'all. Uh, this guy right here. We call him in, in in my little podcast bubble, you know. We call him the sports professor. Oh baby, like and one. Oh baby, the sports professor, professor. <laughs> hey man, I always have a good time chopping it up with, with with my man. Even though he's a Raiders fan, you know, I I forgive him for that. I forgive him for that. It's okay, um, but no. Uh, this is probably the only Raiders fan that I get along with. I, I thought that would never happen. But uh, my man, the one and only sports professor representing from Ball and Buzz Sports and Entertainment and the bottom line sports, my man. Oh, what's up, baby? Hey, 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 hey. yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's good, yes, my sir. brother? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, my friend. Uh, you already know. You already know, man. Uh I enjoyed the time we had uh, uh, on Bottom Line Sports when you guys had me on there. Uh, me and you had a dope collab uh, just a couple of weeks ago talking Raiders, Chiefs yes, football. Uh, and, and man, I've always enjoyed just, uh, your, you know, your knowledge of sports. So uh, to be honest, man, this just next 55 minutes is just going to be like freelance. We're just going to talk any and everything sports because I know you know and love sports. I love and talk sports. So, I mean, we just going to freelance it. I mean, like a motherfucker. I, I mean, it is yeah, what yeah. it is. Whatever come up, comes up. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I figure, I but here's what his show most nights that uh, it's a, uh, it's a uh, whatever you choose as a topic. And then from there, you just going off. But so I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, well, you know, there are some uh, things that I do choose to talk talk about like I had to get that FSU thing off my chest I needed to get that off my chest last night so I, I let that rip <laughs> I like that that was good, that was I, good. I, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that one I had to let that one off uh, so I had to get the 100 round drum uh, clip mm-hmm. for that one and then just you know let off all rounds uh, but uh, you know for the most part yeah man uh, uh, just because you know we love and talk sports. It's it's pretty not a, a a sports topic that don't get touched. But I do want to say this, and I got to get your thoughts on this. Um, when you see San Francisco going to Philly and do what they do, mm. and if you're Philly, how do you bounce back? And you got to get ready for Dallas. You got to get ready for your hated rival, and. Uh, you got to kind of keep them at bay from, uh, uh, you know, convoluting the, the NFC East at the top and the NFC number one spot overall. I mean, how, how, how do you bounce back from a situation like that? It's it's never easy, but, and I, I have to preface this with a but because I heard you last night and I agree with you completely. You know, the, the as we talked about, the San Francisco 49ers are the most complete team now. 
the NFL is a evolving season, but right now, offensive and defensive, the San Francisco 49ers are running on all cylinders. They also have Brock Purdy playing at a hell of a clip that got him into the MVP conversation. Um, he They actually went out, and this was the first time uh, they actually went out and scored on six consecutive drives in a mm. row against Philadelphia. According to True Media, that had not been done since 2000 and uh, and uh, no, I'm sorry, 2019 when Lamar Jackson did it. It was also done in 2007 and 2009 by Tom Brady and 2001 by Peyton Manning. The only other three times ever done where there were six consecutive touchdown scoring drives. And that's what Brock Purdy did to the four, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, we know the Philadelphia Eagles defense is not as strong as it was last year. He was really mm-hmm. able, and most, most quarterbacks have been able, to carve up the defense because their secondary broke up. Marcus Epps is playing with my Raiders, but they lost uh, other key members of the secondary. And their linebacking core is, I mean, let's just be honest and use some of our favorite phrases, uh, trash, basuda, uh, booty juice, you know. Booty uh, juice. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, when you're starting Nicholas Morrow as a linebacker who was a back, who? Yeah, that's right. Nicholas Morrow, a backup for the Raiders last year, and yeah. that's who you're starting. I mean, you've got a problem. So uh, their defense has been a problem all season. But, again, they they have a good enough line, defensive line, and they have a good enough offense, a really, really good offense, that um, they are still one of the favorites, as you mentioned, and they can bounce back from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they definitely do got the personnel to, to bounce back from this. Um, I, I, I know, uh, you know, they go out. Uh, they made the trade, get, get Kevin Byer from the Titans. Uh, he's still kind of still trying to work his way into that secondary. Uh, just picked up Shaquille Leonard, uh, you know, uh, who, who you know, can Big can play up. against the, uh, the pass. Uh, he can play against the pass. Uh, he's not necessarily going to be your uh, uh, help on the run type of linebacker. Uh, if you ever seen Shaquille Leonard play, uh, he definitely is more of your pass player. Uh, pass coverage linebacker uh, for sure. Um, but in a pass happy world that the NFL is in, uh, he can help against the pass. Now, I will say this, had he uh, already signed with Philly, I don't think he would have helped at all <laughs> against uh, San Francisco just because uh, they would have wore it. I mean, you saw what they did. They, they wore that team down by just beating them up, uh, running the ball, and uh, you know, get 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 your couple of little jet sweeps with with Debo, and uh, hey, like I said last night, when you wear the black Air Force Ones, man, you know what the fuck about to go down, bro. So uh, that that was a black Air Force Ones night. So it is. Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny about that? You know what's really funny about that is, um, well, I guess two two points. One is they are bringing in a motivated Shaquille Leonard who was just tossed on mm-hmm. the scrap heap. And so that's something that is going to be good for them. But also, um, I mean, San Francisco is a, as we talked about, a a really, really strong team. Um, I think they would do that to anybody. I think they would do that to any defense in the league. Like, I don't, I, I, there are a lot of good defenses. The Browns, the Jets, right? The Chiefs even have a good defense. Um, I, I, I didn't mean that flippantly, my friend. I just... 
mean, for, you know, for the first time in, you know, in a long time, you guys are, I mean, really, really, really good at defense. That's all. I'm not saying y'all sucked at defense back in the day. Hey. I'm not trying to try throw shots or anything. Oh, no, no, I'm no. just saying. No, no, no. I trust. <laughs> I didn't take it that way, but I'm still, as a Chief fan, I'm still trying to get comfortable with as myself saying that we got a good defense, I you know we we've had average at best defenses. So the, that the fact that we got are actually able to say good is uh, is you know I, I think we're turning the corner around here. So you know, <laughs> hey, hey, you got to turn it at some point. Better than us, we ain't never turned it. So, uh, anyways, um, yeah. Philadelphia, you know they're third in the league in rushing EPA this season, um, but yeah. uh, you know they've also been held in crunch time within the fourth quarter to you know uh 3.2 yards per carry uh like in the last game so it's something that needs to be watched it's something that needs to be taken into consideration but again i don't think this is going to be a major stumbling block from the for them we saw san francisco earlier lose three games in a row um and and bounce back to now be the strongest team in the league so uh yeah you know and any given sunday sort of thing yeah no, no, no doubt. Any any given Sunday, but I will say this is with the 49ers, you forget all about that three game losing streak because I mean, their Achilles heel is injuries. I mean, that's that's been their biggest thing. And for me, because you did bring up Brock Purdy earlier, um, I'm gonna say this and then I definitely want to get your take on it. I look, I know they want to throw his name in the MVP conversation, I'm not big on it. Because I mean, if if you watch the games, uh, you know they're not asking Brock Purdy to you know to really go win the games. They're really not. Mm. Um, mm. The system works. Uh, the, the system for Kyle Shanahan works. I mean, it it, it made Jimmy G very successful in the win loss category. Uh, hell, uh, Jacksonville's backup C.J. Beathard even had a point in time where he had to, you know, go in there and play. Nick Mullins had a point in time that he had to go in there and play. Uh, the only quarterback that really haven't had success in that system, of course, is Trey Lance. But I just think mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily fit that type of mold for Kyle Shanahan's system. Uh, right. I think he's a different type of quarterback that is not similar to Jimmy G, Purdy, or any of these other quarterbacks. Hell, if uh, if Purdy goes down, they got Sam Darnold as a backup. I'm willing to bet that Sam Darnold uh, will actually have success in that system because wow. he fits that that mold of that same quarterback that mm-hmm. that Kyle Shanahan has. Um wow. but I will say this if if he doesn't have and and I think we kind of saw it in that three game losing streak without the certain players that he has of course no Trent Williams at left tackle missing Debo for a couple mm-hmm. of those games you kind of saw a different Brock Purdy. So that's for me that's the reason why I can't you know Look, the numbers look good on the papers. I'm not. I'm not debating that. He's doing exactly what Kyle Shanahan is asking him to do: is to manage the game and don't, 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 don't f it up. Don't, don't take the keys to the million, uh, the Ferrari and Debo, the Lamborghini and uh, CMC, uh, the Porsche that we got in uh, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, the the Benz truck in Kittle, and then you got the uh, big uh, Hummer H2 protecting you uh, in in uh, Trent Williams. As long as everything is Gucci, you know, you'll get yours. And don't forget, we got the security of Fort Knox on the defensive side. So my thing is, is like, 
Yeah, numbers look good, but damn it, your situation looks damn near flawless. So it's like, <laughs> like, can I can I take you seriously as an MVP? Where's your thoughts on on actually having Brock Purdy in MVP conversation? Yeah, I mean his his defense is is, is awesome. His his skill players, as you noted, his pieces are incredible. Um, but. There have been points in time, if we look back, where other quarterbacks, Joe Montana in 89-90, Young in 92, uh, Brett Favre in the mid-90s, even Kurt Warner with the greatest show on turf, Tom Brady with Randy Moss, right? All of these examples of high-powered offenses because of, well, maybe not the, the Patriots. Let me take that back. They didn't have as many great skill players, but the other ones, right? <laughs> had a whole crew of great skill players, running backs, receivers, tight ends, uh, fullbacks, the full complement. And that is what he does have. So we can't necessarily take away from him because of that, but I do see where you're coming from, and I do agree Mm -hmm. that he had a very quick ascent because just three weeks ago or four weeks ago when they ended that three-game losing streak, which was because of injuries, right? We were also questioning, well, is Brock Purdy the right quarterback that can actually, well, some people were, I wasn't, but some people were questioning, you know, is Brock Purdy the the, the actual quarterback for this offense? And I agree with you. I think Kyle Shanahan runs an offense where you need your system quarterback in that offense. I don't agree with you on the Sam Darnold part. I think he would stick in any offense, but I do agree with you that, uh, that, that he is a system. That he is a system. I mean, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, know. I just, I, I don't think he's that great. Um, no, well, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. hey, trust. Hey, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying with Shanahan's system, we've seen quarterbacks that fit that same mold of a Brock Purdy and Jimmy G. And I think Sam Darnold fits that same mold, CJ Beathard, Nick Mullins. I mean, literally, uh, just because of Jimmy G's injury, uh, uh, you saw different quarterbacks in and out of the lineup. And they were able to, you know, move the football. I'm not necessarily say win, but you can move the offense. And then it, you know, uh, uh, and 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 not to, uh, not to bring another topic into this one, but – Kind of look at how Jake Browning last night was able to succeed with the complimentary of pieces that he has in the Cincinnati offense. I mean, it, it makes your life a little bit easier, you know. <laughs> no denying that at all, my brother. If you have pieces, your life is going to be substantially easier. That being said, in the case of Jake Browning, I say wait, wait another week when they got some tape on him. Now they they finally do, and then see how it turns out. But also, I would say. And I know Joe Burrow was Joey B was injured at the time, but even then, an injured Joey Burrow was having uh, problems with that amazing, uh, you know, core of receivers uh, and you know, mixing and 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 all the the weapons he has there. So, yes, weapons are very very helpful. Yes, you need weapons to win the Super Bowl because if you don't have a complete team, you won't win the Super Bowl. But at the same time, we do have to give. And I still don't rock rent Brock Purdy in my in my number one spot. He's still not my right now I got Dick Dak Prescott as your 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 front runner for MVP. But Brock Purdy is probably number three right now. Whoa, whoa. Maybe you whoa, know whoa. maybe in top in the top five at least, right? Um uh, I also have Tyreek Hill up there. So that's another conversation for another day. We can talk about MVP um because he would probably be my vote. But um 
Brock Purdy is, and I shout out to Mike Sando at the Athletic Insider there, who uh, did an article, and it showed the past ten years of MVPs, and all of those MVPs aside from Cam Newton ranked were number one in expected points added on pass and run and total, um, or were around one, like they were, you know, one or two. Uh, Brock Purdy uh, ranks number one in, in all of those categories this year. And he is trending. If you look at the graph, I can send you the picture. It, he's trending with the 10-year MVPs while all the other quarterbacks are a little lower. Now, I still have Dak Prescott above him. I still have Tyreek Hill above him. You know, I even may have you know Tua and Patrick Mahomes above him. But he is in the conversation firmly, especially after this past week, what he did to that Philadelphia Eagles team. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I, I can at least concede that conversation on that. That that is fair uh, to have him in the conversation. Hey, because you know whether you have the system or you had the pieces, you still got to get the ball to the to the to the complimentary pieces. You still got to make the plays, and you still you know, um, I mean, making plays in the NFL is not easy. <laughs> I mean, if that was the case, anybody could do it. So. Um, Hey, hey, it's it's you know. So I don't know. I don't want nobody to take it as hate towards Brock Purdy. I'm just looking at the situation where you look at other quarterbacks, and I think sometimes they can do, um, you know, they do more with less if that makes sense. Uh, but uh, uh, I did. I yeah, did hear you, you know say what? That press got up. I would want to back you up on one thing. I agree with you, though. I don't think that Brock Purdy would be nearly as good as, as a quarterback as he is now if he were in any other system. Oh, yeah. Go go uh, drop him in Carolina's system and see how nice he would be. <laughs> He'd be Bryce Young. He'd be Bryce Young. Oh, <laughs> uh, no doubt. Uh, he'd be, my man, he'd be the white G. version of Bryce Young. Shout out to my, my guy, <laughs> he said Brock Purdy is uh, this generation's Dante Culpepper never got the credit he deserved because of Robert Smith Moss Carter and injuries took him out so he's overlooked and that's actually not a uh, a bad uh, take right there because I, I I I dug Dante Culpepper you know <laughs> I was digging Dante Culpepper you know <laughs> I mean I, I uh, Dante great great fan. great to be he played for the Raiders. And yeah. you know what, though? I, I I don't even know if that's an apt comparison because Brock Purdy would have to play longer because Dante Culpepper played good for at least, I don't, I don't know how many seasons that was, but that was a good five, seven years. He was at the top of the league, right? If I remember correctly, with Minnesota, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And, and I would say at least maybe about four or five years with Minnesota, then he kind of... Uh, fizzled out a little bit once uh, he got to uh, to the Raiders. That was pretty much uh, the, the end of his career. Because I remember he he did a stint with Miami too. Um, so yeah, uh, no, I'm hey Dante Culpepper was one of those quarterbacks that you know in our generation that kind of grew up in the in the in the mid two thousands. But we also got to remember that's also the same time that Brady and Manning uh, were pretty much ruling the world. So. There's a lot of quarterbacks that really got overlooked just because of those two. So it's uh, that, that's uh, that, there's a lot of quarterbacks that uh, you know unfairly got overlooked uh, when you got uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning pretty much at the top of that yeah. that you know that quarterback <laughs> class for the for 15 years. So <laughs> so <laughs> you know I mean Not look how good Philip Rivers was. Uh, he, he he 
Drew hey, Brees. He, he, he couldn't get past Tom Brady and Peyton. Yeah, Drew Brees. Uh, you know, and we see how good Drew Brees was, and he 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 was lucky to steal at least one championship out of there. Uh, other than that, uh, it's not too many other quarterbacks that was able to steal a Super Bowl out of there. So, um, yeah, That's I mean, it, it shit happens. <laughs> shit happens. Um, before we move on uh, from other NFL talk, uh, I, I want to play this clip for you because I saw it today and I thought it was uh, 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 very interesting. Uh, that's that's needless to say. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, comes from uh, uh, from from Der- uh, David Carr, Derek Carr's brother. Uh, so uh, I thought it was interesting, uh, and uh, let's take a quick listen from it, and then uh, uh, we'll, we'll uh, conversate about it real quick. The only way that they get there, to M. Rob's point, is Jalen is 100%, and he is that dynamic weapon in the run game because that creates your offense on the outside and your one-on-ones. Clearly, Jalen isn't comfortable reading through a defense in a drop-back pass scenario. Some would say he's not even good at it. And I think that when you look at this team, you have to have a serious conversation if you're Philly. And you have to really say, is it better for us to play Marcus Mariota right now and let Jalen get fully healthy? Because I would argue that it does not matter if you're the number one seed. Because if the 49ers come into Philly again, they do not care. They do not care. If raining in Philly, doesn't matter. Irrelevant. You're the coach. You're Nick Sirianni. You go up to Jalen Hurts. He's like, dude, that's I can play, crazy coach. Conversation. I can play. How are you going to tell me after I just got paid? We do all of this stuff. I'm in the MVP running. We just had a board up there. Oh, I know. His MVP odds. And now you're going to tell me, telling me to sit. Big picture, brother. Like, you, know, that's like <laughs> you have to do Like, if you're Nick Sirianni, this is the type of decision and conversation you have to have if you have a big picture mentality. And I think you can have that conversation, honestly, with Jalen. And if you set him down, that's all Jalen talks about is the end result and getting to the Super Bowl and winning that thing. The best way we can do it, they didn't run the football at all with no, him. They, no, they twice? They That's not they it, man. That's not the winning edge. Put Marcus in there. Win a couple games. Yeah. Maybe you have the number one seed still. You might have it. I'd say he's probably better at playing quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh. Right now. Right now. He would be more productive. Hey, I didn't say right that, now. Philly. Later, I didn't say that, when Philly. When you're healthy, we'll <laughs> see what the time it is. Jaylen. I didn't say that. He said that. Oh. Mm. Interesting. Give me your thoughts on that, O. Wow, very, very interesting. Thing when I heard it, I was like, interesting. <laughs> Not something you would ever hear uh, to be asked of an NFL player who whose pride is going out there and playing every week. Um, is it a bad idea? No, no. But it depends how badly injured he is. Um, have the Eagles covered up for some of Hertz's passing deficiencies? Yes. Have they run with him more because he needs a balance of run pass in, in his offense to be able to open the field for his passes by using his legs? Yes. Uh, does that mean that he is not capable of winning games because of that fact, no, he's proved that he can win games even with those passing deficiencies while healthy or unhealthy. That being said, he's right about one thing. They ain't beating the 49ers 
as they are currently con- you know constructed when healthy with a injured Jalen Hurts. Now again, if he's fully healthy, no, you would never even think about this. But how badly injured is he? Is he just not mm-hmm. running because they're they're trying to just keep him safe and they can try to win some of these games or is he not running because he's physically not able? to run that would be a problem and then yeah you can win games with Marcus Mariota because you have a strong team so maybe at that point it does make sense yeah uh it, it, I, I definitely uh reacted the same way you did I was like interesting and then uh you know because when you hear uh at the end he says uh you know right now I would say that uh Marcus Mariota would be better uh functional as in running uh, the offense than Jalen Hurts right now, you, you know, when you hear things like that, you know, your initial reaction is like, oh, you're, you're batshit crazy, uh, David Carr. I mean, you must still have concussed, uh, uh, you know, issues when you was getting your head kicked in, uh, being a Texan oh. with no O-line. They're like, what the hell is wrong with you? No, no, literally, that was, that was, that's my first reaction. I'm like, I'm like, damn, he 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 must be taking still hits from uh, you know, uh from from back in the Texan days when they first got in the league. But then when I sat down and and and, and actually broke down every section of, of, of pretty much his take. Um now if it was somebody else that wasn't Marcus Mariota, maybe if they still had Gardner Minshew, I would feel a little bit more comfortable about that. Um, my thing about it is, well, now that I think about it, Marcus Mariota, you know, is it's almost similar style to Jalen Hurst, two can run the that's RPO. What, that's what I was um, so say, you yeah. wouldn't have to change, you wouldn't have to change too much of your offense, you wouldn't, uh, it would just have to be a get comfortable with the old line, get comfortable with the receivers type of thing, because obviously Jalen's been taking all the snaps. Um, so that that's the uh, only thing off bat that I think you would have to uh, worry about is how comfortable, how quickly can they adapt to each other uh, with cadence, with, uh, you know, uh, football placement, uh, with, you know, center quarterback exchange. Uh, so just those little intricacies would probably take a little minute to get, you know, comfortable with each other. Um, but here's my thing. Um I'm not mad at the take. It's just something that you probably just don't want to hear right now because, you know, it's a top team in the NFC. Uh, They're going on the road to face Dallas, their their rival. You want your best guns out there, whether they're, uh, you know, not at 100% or not. Well, let's be honest. What NFL player 14 weeks in the season is at 100%? I mean, so – just for me, I'd rather take an 85% Jalen Hurts than a 100% Marcus Mariota any day. I, hmm. I just can't trust a Marcus Mariota uh, over even if Jalen Hurts is at 85%. Because my thing is, is a Marcus Mariota who Heisman Trophy winner, uh, first round draft pick, you know, good accolades. But damn it, you can't hold down a job. That says something about you. Uh, I mean, Tennessee got rid of you. Uh, I mean, you get replaced by Ryan Tannehill. You get replaced by Ryan Tannehill, and now they're trying to find a way to get rid of him. And so uh, uh, then Arthur Smith says, hey, 
come to Atlanta. Uh, you get replaced by Desmond Ritter? <laughs> you get replaced by Desmond Ritter. Audience, whoever is listening, whoever is watching out there, understand the words coming out of my mouth. You got replaced by Desmond Ritter. All right. uh, Let that uh, shit uh, marinate for a second. So (laughs) I can't I can't allow this blast. I mean, he's a backup of the name of Marcus Mariota, my friend. (laughs) 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 Uh, Look, they but I like Marcus. I know I do too. I do too. That's the thing. But you're right. You're. I mean, you're right. But I do. I do. I like Marcus. But I mean, it's it's just let's look at your NFL career, bro. You you get you are the guy that's that's here until we can find a better option. That's 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 pretty much been the name of his his career. Mm. So I got an MVP candidate in Jalen Hurts. He may not be at a hundred percent, and trust me, I I get what David Carr is saying when he says, "Look at the bigger picture." Because if that's what Jalen Hurts is about, looking at the bigger picture, then I'm not, I'm not Nick Sirianni having that conversation. Let Jalen Hurts come to me and say, hey, man, I don't want to hurt my team. I want us to be in the Super Bowl. I want us to be in the NFC Championship game. Hey, coach, hey, real talk, I'm not feeling it. I, my, my head, you know, I, I, took a, I took a nasty hit. You know, I'm... I, I'm not being myself. I can't. I can't be me. It, you know, there's got to be certain times as an athlete you say, "Hey, hey, I can't be me." Let Jalen Hurts come up to you and ask that. But as a coach, if I'm Nick Sirianni, unless Jalen Hurts come to me and says, "Hey, man, I can't be Jalen Hurts," then I have that conversation. But I'm not going outwardly and seeking that conversation as a coach. Because I, I, I want my best guys, especially at this time of the NFL season. It is crunch time. It is. It is. Set yourself up for playoff time. It sets yourself up for, you know, possible Super Bowl run time. I need my best dogs. And that's just the fact of the matter is not everybody's going to be healthy. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> so it's, it's when I, I did. I'm not mad at what David Carr said. It was just odd to hear it. Uh, that's all. <laughs> the uh, odd to hear. The, it. That's all. The the, the all. slander of Marcus Mariota must not go undefended uh, by myself. So I, I had to say something. But you know, I think that I think that he got the short end of the stick in a lot of places too. I believe Tennessee got rid of him way too early. I believe he still had a little bit of juice left. The Raiders, when he came in to sub for Derek Carr, he played really, really well. Uh, Atlanta, Arthur Smith is one of the worst coaches yeah. we've seen in a, yes. in a while. So I don't, I don't give him any blame for that. But that being said, he is a journeyman at no, this point, and that's all he's going to be. Um, so I do agree with you. You want your big dogs. You want your horses going in there when you're going to play the big games. Um, and so, yeah, you're not going to be Nixon. No NFL coach in their right mind would go up to their starting quarterback and ask them to sit. Um, unless it was like the last game of the season and they had, you know, the buy locked up or something like that. Now, that being said, let's look at the other side of that. There ain't no way that Jalen Hurts is going to do that either. He's not going to go up and request 
to be taken out because most players won't do that. Um, I mean, unless like a, a broken limb is about to happen. And even then, most of the time they won't. That being said, can I, I am a solutions oriented uh, person, my friend. May I suggest a midpoint solution for all parties involved? Uh, first of all, we want our big hosses to play, right, Mark? Please go we ahead. Want our, we, want our, we want our best players to play so we Bad. can at least try to get now. We, we're, uh, with that loss that we had, it's a little bit less chance. They have a 44.7% chance to earn the bye, right? So these next two weeks are crucial. Next two weeks are against the Cowboys and the Seahawks. Let's run. Let's run him out there. Let's run Hurts mm. out there. Let's run everybody out there. Let's play full go. Win the next two games. Make sure we win the next two games, right? Especially a crucial one against Dallas. We already have the tiebreaker, but still, it's still a crucial game because Dallas is high up in the standings. And then, then in the last, um, in the last three weeks of the season, listen to this cupcake of a schedule they have going on. They have the Giants twice and the Cardinals once. Twice. Yeah. So why not bring in Marcus oh. Mariota for the final three games? Let Jalen rest. Lock up the bye. Bada boom, bada bing. We in the playoffs, baby. Solutions oriented. That's why they call me the professor. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I like the way you think. <laughs> the professor, ooh, baby. I like the way you think. That, see, see, now, now that is something that makes sense. It's hey, have my hogs here where I need to against the big dogs. Big guns gotta go against big guns. You can't go in with this guy got AK 47s and you got the little 22. What you gonna do with that little pea shooter? You can't do nothing with that. So nah. go in there with, with, with the big guns. So yeah, no, no, that hey, that solution makes perfect sense. Uh Go against Dallas, go against Seattle, even though Seattle's kind of treading in the, in the wrong direction, but you still don't want to take them lightly because they're still playing for a wild card spot. So you can't take them, can't take them lightly. Giants twice, Cardinals. Those two teams are fighting for draft position. <laughs> you know, you know, I don't care about little little uh, you know, what is whatever little little Tommy uh Tommy DeVito, Cuts, whatever his DeVito, name is. Um yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, it. Hey, Marcus Mariota, matter of fact, use those three games two against the Giants, one against the Cardinals. Use that as your resume builder. Use that as your resume builder. Because I think Marcus Mariota, which to your points, kind of got the short end of a stick a couple of times. Use that as your resume builder to hell. Bounce back and be your bridge quarterback for a franchise, you know? Get a starting position, you know, maybe mentor a younger guy. But, hell, if you do your damn job, yeah, he's at that age. But if you still do your damn job and show out, you can still, hey, you can still walk away with at least a lucrative contract, you know, get you a little 20 million, uh, 25 million, and and, and then, you know, whatever else happens after that happens. So, I, I... that's why they call this man the professor. Ooh, baby. <laughs> that was a, hey. that's a good take right there. I'm clipping that. I'll send that to you because that was good. Let's go. Let's go. But, uh, <clears throat> I do want to talk about this real quick. When you said about the MVP conversation and uh, you said Tyreek Hill. Mm. Uh, here's my thing with the NFL. Here's my thing with the NFL. 
and it, and it's similar to the Heisman uh, race that I, I kind of spoke about it last night. Those two mm. trophies are supposed to be for the most outstanding player, right? You know, it's supposed to be. Uh, but lately, it's just it's almost seemed like it's geared to specifically quarterbacks, which I think is it. It's not fair. Now with Calvin uh, Johnson with the all-time leading receiving yards in the, in the season with uh, 1,964 yards, uh, astronomical numbers. If Tyreek Hill hits 2K, why can't he not win MVP? Break down MVP. Most valuable player. Let's, first of all, let's look at just Miami. Wasn't Tua Trenton the opposite way before Tyreek got there? I mean, can we all be honest about that? Tua's trajectory was going down. He gets Tyreek killed, and now he's he's in the MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. Most valuable, he heard valuable player. If Tyreek hits 2K, I, for me, I don't see nobody else worthy of getting that award but him. That's something that's never been done. And, and you're looking at how valuable he is to his team because that offense doesn't run properly without him. I don't think it does. I think literally uh, uh, Mike McDaniels has this system around Tyreek. And if he's removed from that system, he's got to he's literally got to change his whole playbook. I mean, what's your thoughts? I mean, we got to have that conversation because I think Tyreek needs to be in there. You and me, my brother, we we think exactly alike on this subject. Um, I heard some of your thoughts last night, and I was happy that I was got to come on today, so I could agree with you there. I have always had this issue um, because you are right. Over the past, you know, in college – it probably started after Charles Woodson, I believe, was the last defensive player to win the Heisman in 1990. And then uh, you haven't seen no no defensive players since then and only a few offensive skill players other than quarterbacks. As you mentioned, in the NFL, over the past 10 years, 15 years, it's been nothing but quarterbacks. Actually, over the 10 years that I went over earlier, all of those players were quarterbacks, right? So why? Why? What's the point? It's a stupid award if then. If we're only just going to give it to the quarterback every year, just make it the best quarterback in the nation or the best quarterback in the league and just give that to them. What's the point? Why are we subjugating everybody else that are offensive skill players Mm -hmm. to being in the offensive player of the year race? Why doesn't everybody have a chance? If someone has a Calvin Johnson-like season or an Emmitt Smith or Adrian Peterson-like season, they deserve to be the MVP. It should not be the quarterback every year. It makes it boring. It makes it predictable. It makes it stupid. It just makes it unfun to even care about. I really don't want to talk about it if it's going to be all quarterbacks. And I like talking about it right now because we do have different players. We have Marvin Harrison Jr. in the Heisman. We have Tyreek Hill in the MVP conversation. And you're damn right Tyreek Hill should be in the conversation. Um, Mike McDaniel does work this system. It is worked around that Tua to Tyreek Hill combination. Um, 
Tyreek Kill is on pace, as you mentioned, for over 2K yards, right? Uh, Calvin Johnson had 1964. Tyreek's on on pace for 2,098 right now. He needs 484 yards to pass Calvin Johnson. That being said, some people may fight back and say, well, he has one more game to do it. That's fine. What if he were to break the 484 yards over the next four games, which would keep him within that timeline? He averages 123.5 yards per game and only needs 121 average to break the record. So that tells you right there that he's right on target and he deserves to be in that conversation. And if he crosses 2000, I'm with you. He should and better be the MVP because it's been a very down year for quarterbacks in the NFL. Very down year. Uh, And uh, I don't like it's it's. It's almost to, to those things where, you know, the NFL is blatantly making it about the quarterback. And I've said a million times, I, I never understood uh, the, 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 the over-exaggeration of love for the quarterbacks um, in the NFL. Because, I mean, let's be honest. Quarterbacks are the most dependent position on the whole team. They're dependent on the offensive line to protect them. They're dependent on a running back to protect them. They're dependent on a running back to, you know, uh, you know, run proper, uh, uh, you know, through the holes or, or you know, run the proper routes, uh, you know, coming out the backfield. They're dependent on wide receivers to catch the ball. The quarterback is only as good as their star receivers. Uh, so, like, you know, I mean – Point in case, you know, Mahomes looks good, but he's still having problems. Look at <laughs> look at the production of the wide receiver group. So I mean, it's it's my thing is 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 even when it comes to the financial breakdown, why are the quarterbacks financially so separated from everybody else when you're so dependent on everybody else? That's another thing that I just I just never understood with the NFL, and I get it. You know, they're supposed to be the pretty boys, the the face of the leagues and, you know, the quote-unquote leaders. But, I mean, my thing is, it's just another position on the offense and it's the most dependent off. It's the most dependent position. I mean, I mean, uh, look at look how I, you know, I was never big on, on Justin Fields. But look what's happening with him in Chicago. I mean, the dude literally had has to play like Superman the last couple of years. They finally gave him a couple of pieces uh, this year. Give him uh, DJ Moore. Uh, it still may not be enough, but, you know, uh, has a piss poor offensive line. So he still has to, you know, uh, create some sometimes, you know, uh, he got to create lemonade with, with sour lemon sometimes. Uh, I mean, look at Bryce Young. Uh, in Carolina, Bryce Young can only do so much with what's given to him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, literally, the, the situation is not in his favor. So it's it's when you have a, a position that is so dependent, I you can't just give them all the flowers and the roses. They already the most paid position anyway. Daniel Jones is making forty fucking million dollars a year. What the hell are we doing? Money Come on now. Barkley, so just, by the way. Thank you. So you, you, it, it, and, and, and let's be honest. It, I'd rather have a, a, a team with Tommy Cole cuts with Saquon 
who's going to who somehow is 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 moving the football better than what they're doing with with Daniel Jones. What are we doing? Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, my man Bobby G says uh, there was also coaching change. You know, uh, Brian Flores to Mike McDaniel's understandable. So you go from a defensive coach to offensive coach, hey, which is understandable. Uh, Hill is great, but the truth is, speed kills. And due to that, you can't double anybody uh, on the Finns' offense. Reek isn't doing anything that Justin Jefferson didn't do. Well, lesser QB and all focus on him. It, you're not wrong, but, but I mean. When you have a, a generational talent, you got to get them to football. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you want to win, you got to get them to football. <laughs> you know, uh, when you got a Tyree, you got a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, a Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, when you got guys like that, uh, you know, I don't care if you double. I'm going I'm to I'm still throw the ball your way. <laughs> and they'll do it because that's how phenomenal they are. I mean... So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, Bobby G, but, uh, hey, you, you find a way to get the top dogs to uh, eat the football. Uh, I want to switch this to Major League Baseball because I know you're the sports professor for this. Why haven't we heard anything about Otani? I haven't heard pretty much. Uh, it's, it's pretty silent out here on these streets about Otani, man. The, the guy's a free agent. The, the guy, he, he has to go somewhere. I mean, what's up? I mean, nobody wants a a guy that can pitch in here. Nobody. That is uh, that's an amazing question. It's very funny that you asked that because my MLB insider, uh, Mike Wiebe, uh, actually texted me today with information on Otani and the updates that have been going on. So the reason that we have not heard anything and the reason that we didn't hear anything the first time when he signed with the Angels is because Shohei Otani is pretty much the most secretive person. (laughs) He's that international man of mystery, right? He is the most secretive uh, person on earth. He makes sure that everything is hidden. And (laughs) No, like, you think I'm joking, but, like, when Mm. they had the first time around, when the Angels were signing him and he was getting courted by the different teams, they would have the teams meet them at a secret location and they would have them come in one entrance, the team officials, they would walk them through these corridors so they would get lost, take them to a meeting room so they wouldn't know where they were, put them back outside the other entrance, had teams come in and like they do not know want people knowing who's coming in to see him, when they're coming, how many people are coming. Um, that being said, in the days of social media and cameras all over the place, it's very hard to keep everything a secret. So things have started to leak uh, over the past couple of days. Uh, the fact is that a lot of teams have bowed out due to the price of his contract. Um, his contract has now gone over $500 million. We are now looking into the $525, $550 million range. Um, I don't think it'll go higher than that. Some people want to say six hundred. I don't see that. Um, but my MLB insider says he could see anywhere up to five fifty. He also says that they talked to the Blue Jays, so he had com- he had conversation with the Blue Jays. Uh, I either I think that was either today or yesterday. So he was up there uh, meeting with them. He met with the Rangers and he's met with the Dodgers. Uh, so these are just a few of the teams that we know for a fact he has met about. Um, but again, very secretive. But that's what we're looking at right now. I expect him. 
as uh, as uh, as does my insider, to sign with the Dodgers, as do most people, because we believe he wants to stay on the West Coast and he wants the best chance to win. And the Dodgers offer both of those perspectives. But I have a hot take, and don't count this Mm -hmm. out. Um, I, I heard a rumor earlier that possibly he would go back to the Angels because... The Angels are the only team in Major League Baseball that will offer him the autonomy that he desires. He wants full control over everything that he does. He wants full control over when he rests, when he pitches, when he pitches on the side, when he does batting practice. He wants everything done on his time, his schedule, and what he wants to do. And the Angels gave him pretty much complet gras to do whatever you want to do. Kind of like... Kind of like Kawhi Leonard, yes. Kind of what <laughs> in that regard too, because Kawhi can just take off and do whatever he wants to, <laughs> private planes and shit. You know what I mean? Like what? Hey, shout out to Bobby G, man. Uh, me and him, yeah. Me and him do a uh, we do a dope show on uh, Thursday right after the uh, Thursday night football prime. Um, man, I, I I'm actually shocked by that. Uh, by, by hearing that news, a uh, uh, five hundred fifty million. Uh, real quick, uh, what's the years on that? Are, are they kind of looking at? Are they looking at seven, eight, nine, ten years on this thing? Uh, most teams are going to hope to get at least ten years for the five hundred five fifty million, especially because we have to take into account that the first year he's only going to be a hitter. He's not going to be able to pitch the first year. Now he does hope to come back and pitch in twenty twenty five, and hopefully he will. Can I? I I I don't usually uh, pray for players that are not on my team or even, you know, I mean, I pray for everybody, but uh, I'm praying that he comes back fully, 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 fully healthy because he is something we've never seen before. And it's such a joy to watch. And I love seeing him hit and pitch. And I don't want to see him be restricted to just one. That being said, it doesn't matter. He's going to get that money regardless. Um, Because there was an article Mm -hmm. in the athletic a few months ago, at the end of the season, and his comps as a hitter and a batter put him at thirty-five million for each service. So even then, even if just a hitter, you're looking at four hundred million dollars for just as a hitter. So you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I know you talk about him going back to the Angels because he he pretty much gets to uh, you know the full control that he he desires. Ah, man. Uh, my only issue with him going back to Anaheim is we get stuck with the same situation with him and Mike Trout uh, literally eating up all the Angels payroll and they're not going to have no success. Uh, I mean, it's it's it's, it's been happening. Uh, they both been winning MVPs. Uh, they both, you know, get their all star uh, votes and, and appearances. Uh, they, they're, they're, you know, uh, it, handsomely paid and it doesn't it doesn't bold towards the team success so i i is he 100 percent like okay with just going back and and literally without a chance of winning because uh, they they played around with, with uh, angels fans this year you know they was uh you know playing around first place but then uh the calendar hit july and august and september and then they went back to normal angels and being out of Understanding, so I, I mean, I, I I just can't see sacrificing winning in in championships. Uh, that because that, that's what again it sounds like. 
uh, is he's he's willing to sacrifice championships to go back to the A's. I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah, that that would have to be the case uh, that he would be because obviously with the Dodgers, he's he would have the chance to win a championship every year. Um, the Dodgers are in it every year because they have developed a really good farm system and they have and they have the money uh, to sign really good major leaguers like Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Um, so if I were him, no, I would go to the Dodgers. I still think he'll go to the Dodgers, but if he wants full control. He's not going to get that in any other place. So, again, how comfortable is he of having full control versus um, versus winning? Now, again, we think he wants to win as well, and that's not totally out of the question in Anaheim. The thing is, A, Artie Moreno as an owner is just he's, – he, he's, he's, he's good-hearted. He means well but he's just not the greatest <laughs> when it comes to being an owner. And he means well. He means well. He's like, he's like, he's like shot. He's like, um, like Tony Khan with AEW. Like he means well, right. But he's like, he didn't mean, he might not know everything with like about what he's supposed to do. Right. He might, he might not know how to. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. hey, for those who don't get that Tony Khan reference, get, get, get with us. Come on, get with the program. <laughs> that was good. I mean, you know what I mean? He that may was not good. know how to he may not know how to script the proper out for every every commercial break, which he doesn't know how to do. It's still after four years. Like anyway, hey, um it's, it's, that, it's that David Pepper uh ownership book that they read yeah, you know yeah, <laughs> him yeah. and tony Khan are, are one and the same so yeah, uh, that's so, hilarious uh, yeah <laughs> I, I i don't i i don't see that happening um but i take uh if he were to go back Uh-oh. to the angels they have to trade mike trout they would have to trade trade mike trout really I, yeah i hate to say it i hate to say it because i want to see them play together but mike trout has been injured Every year for the past like five years, he's missing, you know, 20, mm. 30 games here and there, missing the end of the season. He just hasn't that's, been able to stay healthy. Right. And if you can get a haul of picks and players, which you can still right. get for yeah. an injured trout, and you can and you can sell off Rendon's $300 million contract too, and you build around Otani. Hey man. That's why they call this man the professor. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, my gosh. You are, man, you are 100% on the dot with that take. Um, If he does go back to Anaheim, because uh, I'm with you. Uh, Trout's been hurt. Uh, You know, there was at one point in time last year where he was, you know, contemplating retiring um, uh, because of his, his injury. Um, and and you're right. There's still a fool out there that will still pay for Mike Trout and still mm-hmm. give you a haul back yep. to Mike Trout because sure will uh, because because they they think that hey I got Mike Trout I can possibly yep. squeeze the last three or four years out of that great player that was pretty much the the, the face of football for the last uh I'm sorry face of baseball for the last 13 years let's let's squeeze the last bit out of him sell some tickets we may not win nothing but I can at least sell some tickets. And, you know, uh, the Angels could turn around, get great prospects uh, for for 
uh, Mike Trout that can help build. Uh, and then, like you said, uh, uh, Rondon's uh, contract, I, I, they definitely got to get rid of that shit. Uh, gotta get the good thing he's done for them is uh, call it uh, – the only thing he's done is call the Oakland A's fans a little bitch. That's the only good thing he's done since he's been in the Angels uniform. So, um, uh, other than that, <laughs> uh, no, no, you're right. Uh, but no, man, I, man, hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is why, this is why, this is why I had him on the show. This is the sports professor, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's him. <laughs> Come on, man. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna read this last comment. We'll get up out of here. My man said, I agree with you, Mar. Uh, winning is big in, in Asian culture. Marbury has a statue mm. in China because he won over there. That's why I lean towards Toronto. Him on that uh, roster, plus, he still gets big market. That's a fair point, too. Uh, that's a fair point. Um, I also thought that, um, Otani would probably go somewhere where there's a, a high influence of of, uh, of Asian culture. So I was thinking, you know, maybe San Francisco, Seattle, Seattle, um, yep. you know, obviously Toronto, New York. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, uh, but LA, uh, LA has a high hell, maybe even too, a, a, a Boston at some point. Oh yeah, yeah, they do, they do, uh, they do. So I mean, uh, wherever he goes, I knew that at some point, man, it's going to be for big. It's going to be for big money. Uh, there's no way a guy of his stature with what he can do on both sides of the diamond, whether it's offense or pitching. Uh, I mean, you, you got you to come off some chatter. You're going to have to come off some uh, some some big, uh, big faces off, off that. And also, fun yeah, go fact, ahead, uh, just to inform the, the fans, um, the Toronto Blue Jays have been actively shopping uh, not actively. I shouldn't say that. That's a bad word. Let me take actively back. Have been have put the name of their best players on the market to include uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So they know when they take in Otani and they're going to have to pay them these big bucks, right? They're going to have to trade some players because you can't pay everybody over $300 million a year. And Vladimir Guerrero is going nope. to demand that at some point here so will all the other young studs that they have and they're already paying george springer 150 million over six years so they mm -hmm. if they are going to get otani they're probably going to have to trade guerrero yeah uh him uh boba uh uh biggio uh, uh they got some young guys that's going to uh, start asking for some money in the next couple of years especially uh vladimir uh he's definitely going to want some bread too so Tap in with my man O, the sports professor everywhere. Ball and buzz, bottom line sports. I mean, great people over there. Uh, uh, even Hot Take Jake with his old crazy ass with the more hot takes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just glad that. Uh, and by the way, I died. I laughed hysterically when you clipped that joint of his wife calling him out for wearing her hat. I laughed hysterically i thought that was the funniest shit in the world that was hilarious because uh hot take jake was over there looking like uh uh latino heat mixed with undertaker and it was hilarious so uh it was so funny uh and his wife got on this show and put him on full blast <laughs> anyway that, no, you gotta you gotta I, you gotta hey tap in with him uh you you would not regret it one of the funniest <laughs> moments ever on that show, and I, I hope you—I hope you actually—I hope you actually saw the remix version 
Because I spent like an hour that next morning doing the remix version with the arrow pointing towards them and the, the zoom in with the box and the bra memes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen that, you guys see it. Yeah, hey, I'm telling you, this is why you got to tap in with them, man. Great folks over there. Uh, man, uh, I... I I'll save this for another day. Uh, I'll, I'll probably because uh, we, we I, I forgot to ask you about the college football playoff situation, but you know, we'll, we'll save that for another day. So, hey, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I hope you're feeling great and feeling good, too, because it's your boy, Wildcard Mar here with another episode of the IOW Sports Late Night Owl Edition. It's episode 396, and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good because I'm alive and I get to talk sports with y'all and can't get no better than that. Well, it can get better than that, but this is a family show. Well, what the hell I'm talking about? This is a late night out show. We get wild in this joint. But if you're checking out our content on YouTube, make sure you check out the bottom line sports and make sure you check out all in buds sports and entertainment. Because it hey, it was so nice that we gotta do it twice coming back again. My main man, the sports professor. Ooh, baby. Oh ma. What up, baby? Yo, 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 <laughs> what up, friends? <laughs> it was so nice to do it twice. <laughs> you know what is so nice? I'm gonna give it a Rick Flair. Woo! That's what I'm giving Woo! it because uh, because my friend, thank you for having me back. Uh, we had so much fun. We had to give the fans what they were all asking for the 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 second remix version hey. of this. So I am super happy to be back. By the way, real quick, I've always wanted to say this every time I come on. Shout out to your man, Silent Hill TDS, who be wrecking the intro. Because every time I come on, I'm just banging out. I might be in bed, laying down late nights. I fall asleep. I hear the intro. I wake up. I'm like, wow, call Ma. Better step back. Wow, call Ma. I'm like, yo, let's go, baby. Hey, nah, for real. That's, 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 that's my boy, man. That's that's like a brother, man. He he blessed me with that joint. I was like, yo. And I, hey, because it's, it's all love because, we, you know, we've always been supportive of each other's endeavors and that's just kind of what it is. So, he blessed me with it, and man, I'm I'm gonna keep that joint. I'll, I'll probably never change that intro now that he gave it to me. I never change it now. So, I mean, uh, I but yeah, man. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, yeah, yeah, that bang. Um, me and O was having a conversation off air, and uh, I was kind of giving him the backstory on why I do late night shows, and. You know, uh, there's a there's an advantage to doing late night shows. So, uh, am I going to catch some of the East Coast people? I'm, I'm gonna catch the late night East Coast people. Uh, I'm gonna catch the little kind of late night people in the Central Time. I'm in the Central Time, so I'm gonna catch people right here at eleven o'clock at night. Um, but I'm gonna catch the West Coasters. You know, it's it's still nine o'clock over there. All right. But here's the benefit. Here's the benefit of having late night shows. There's going to be some news that's going to drop between. Uh, uh, you know, uh, 11 Eastern to probably like one Eastern in the morning. And there's some news that always drops. And it's so, uh, uh, apropos that, uh, we, me and O was talking baseball last night and lo and behold, some news jumped off today. And I'm, you know what? I'm not even going to say it. 
I'm gonna let O do it because it's some MLB transactions that are going down and 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 news is flying of players moving. Hey, old man, the play. Hey, the floor is yours. What's going on in this MLB world, my dog? Woo, woo, so if. Fans, if you have not been paying attention in the last 30 minutes, there was some huge, huge news that was dropped. I know last night we spoke about Otani, and yes, we will get into that again tonight here in a second. But we have to talk about Juan Soto, a 24-year-old baseball prodigy. Yeah. He's still 24 years old and been in the league six years. So he ain't even hit his prime yet. That's, that's wild. And he was just traded to where? Mm-hmm. The 27-time champion, New York Yankees. Wow. 27. So wow. he was traded with Trent Grisham wow. uh, for a package of prospects, uh, the best being their number five prospect, Drew Thorpe. And also Michael King, and also Kyle Hishitaka, who was their uh, defensive catcher last year. But you know what? It doesn't matter because none of those prospects will ever, ever equal up to what Juan Soto is, what Juan Soto has been, what Juan Soto will be. I am wearing my Puerto Rican cap. I know he's Dominican, but it don't matter. We represent mm-hmm. him for all Latinos to right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. We represent him, baby. You know what I'm saying? All Latinos. Party, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, Juan Soto <laughs> is an amazing baseball player. There's no two ways about it. The Padres had to cut salary. They mm-hmm. traded for him and Josh Hader last summer mm-hmm. trying to win the championship. Unfortunately, they were unable to do that. That being said, they had just signed Manny Machado to an 11-year, $350 million contract beforehand. They had just signed Fernando Tatis. They had just signed Hugh Darvish to six years, $150 million. So they were in much, much need of cutting payroll, and they knew that they would not be in the running for Soto when he hits free agency after this season. So... They decided to do the best thing they could do, trade him away for the best package of prospects they were going to get. Is it the best prospects? No. Is it the best package they could have gotten? Yes. But again, none of those prospects, not even, even if the three best turn out to be as good as they're going to be, will never, ever equal what Juan Soto has already been. Facts. Facts. Uh, And, and, Man, uh, I'm looking at this trade, and uh, not to mention, uh, Padre signed uh, Xander Bogarts last year, uh, off season two. So yep. uh, when you're talking about, about they needed that. to clear some cap space, boy, did they need to clear some cap space. They <laughs> they had uh, they had contracts on top of contracts where they're paying top dollars for at least half their roster that was on the field last year. And you look at that, and then you look at the the success that didn't happen with the Padres and you know at some point you might have to cut bait and and it is what it is I think it's smart um 
uh, uh, to go ahead and 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 move Soto, move Soto for the Padres is because he's the only one that wasn't under contract for the for the foreseeable future. And if you were going to try to get him under contract, you was going to give up big big coins. I mean, we can't forget this guy turned down almost half a half a billion dollars from the Nationals. So uh, you you talking about a guy that's going to ask for 400, 500 million uh, uh, at least on an eight to ten year deal? So hey, smart move for the Padres for sure. Uh, but let me ask you this: Oh, why why did it not work in the Padres? I mean, you, you just kind of listed off all the names that they really uh, they uh, the big name guys that they brought over and uh, paid them, but couldn't even. Couldn't even make the playoffs. Like, like, talk to us, man. What happened? Yeah, they, they, like you said, went all out just like my Mets last year, and both of them were horrible disappointments in pretty much the same exact fashion. Uh, the teams that had played so well in 2022 were not able to replicate those seasons. Um, and in terms of that for the Padres, because it's different for both the Padres and the Mets, the Padres had bullpen issues all season long, which contributed to them going out and getting Josh Hader midseason. Also, their late their late inning clutch hitting, as well as their left-handed batting needed power, which is why they went out and got Soto, which is also will lead me into in a, in a second, because we'll talk about why the Yankees did it. Um, uh, it just didn't, it didn't work out because the reinforcements were too late. And I believe the reinforcements were not able to integrate properly into the team in order to, now I know they traded for Soto a little earlier in the year. Um, you know, it wasn't like when they got hater mid season, but, the team just wasn't able to integrate properly into the team that needed to make the playoffs. And they stunk just like the Mets. They stunk just like the Angels. And they just could not get out of their own way. Um, and again, aside from, you know, bullpen issues, power hitting issues. I mean, I think also a, a, a big thing that had to do with the Padres um, was also the uh, the pitch clock. I think that a lot of their pitchers couldn't actually, you know, um, uh, get adjusted to the pitch clock early in the season, which kind of led to some other issues in the team. So, damn, uh, <laughs> I I knew the pitch the pitch clock thing was going to uh, be a situation that a lot of people uh, were going to have to get used to. I mean, you've been pitching a certain way for so many years, and then that was something that was new. And I, I knew it was going to be an adjustment for for some people, but I didn't think that uh, some people that it take them that long to get. Uh, uh, accustomed to Italy Jet. What's up, my brother? That's my guy, Italy Jet. Gino, what's up with hey. you, man? He says, props on the move. Totally understand why uh, the Yankees uh, Soto, uh, but Soto striked out a lot last year and Judge and Stanton always hurt and Verdugo has an attitude problem. Starts uh, not trying to uh, be a dick. Uh, I Look, I as we said, uh, the advantages of it for the Padres, um, you know, gives them cap relief. You get prospects back that you don't have to absorb a big huge contract uh, for them as if you were for Soto so I want you to talk about it from the Yankees perspective on this uh, oh in in their uh, part of of this transaction of actually acquiring uh, Juan Soto and uh, you, who else did they acquire in this deal as well uh, Grisham uh, I think Trent Grisham yeah Grisham Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Speak on, on the Yankees. Out of this. 
Yeah, shout out, uh, shout out to Ital- uh, Italy Jet, Italian Jet. What am I model to do, Italia? What am I doing right now? Italy Jet. Um, Stanton has uh, <laughs> had a Stanton had a horrible year last year, and he hasn't hit over you know two yeah. two two fifty in the past two years. And his defense has regressed. He had a negative point one WAR, which is uh, for every, anyone that doesn't know wins above replacement, which means he was less than a replacement average player. Um, They have to get up out of his contract ASAP. Now, they just traded for Verdugo. Verdugo and and Grisham are quite similar, similar players. So I'm thinking that they're also going to try to get out of that Grisham contract and move him to someone else. Then that leaves you with a Judge Verdugo Soto outfield, which is a good outfield. But there are uh, and the reason why they did this and the reason that, you know, people maybe wonder, OK, why have they gone and got two left handed batters all of a sudden? Well, because Brian Cashman over the past few years has gone right handed heavy in the lineup, including Judge Stanton. And it has led to a 241 average over the past two years as a team. And so the right handed hitters were not getting it done. Brian Cashman. He was, I mean, he's got a lot of cachet from the championships he's won, but he was about to get, he's on hot, let's just say he's on the hot seat, right? He's he's about this far from, from the Steinbrenners kicking him his ass out. So he needed to make a move and he needed to get left-handed batters, hence the trade for Verdugo. And now that trade for Soto, you get a really power left-handed bat to go back to back with a judge in that lineup. I mean, you put him in that, in that, um, in that in that stadium, Yankee Stadium, with that right field porch, he already hits, um, you know, 25, 35 home runs in pitcher parks. But you take him to that band box, he's looking at 45 home runs. He's a, And think about this, man. I saw a stat earlier today. He is uh, only the sixth player, uh, fifth or, hold on, fifth or sixth, uh, sixth player, sorry, before his 24 age season to have all seasons of 400 OPS, which means he's on offensive percentage of slugging is over 400, which is um, it's great, right? Only done other than by Mickey Mantle, Ty Cobb, Joe DiMaggio, and other Yankee great. So, like, I mean, he is just an amazing, amazing player. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up about that porch in right field. Because when you look at that, that's, that short porch in, in right field, and you get those left-handed batters licking their chops. I mean, uh, Juan Soto might mess around and have 50 home runs this year. Yep. I, I mean, I'm I'm correct. Yep. I'm exaggerating, but let's not act like that is not possible. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, you, you, it's 162 games, half of them at the house. So uh, he's going to maximize as much as he can at Yankee Stadium. So what that his stats away from home may not be as good as it will be in Yankee Stadium. That's not what they brought him over there for. They brought him over there to make sure, hey, let's keep these bats moving, keep the ball flying out of the damn ballpark. Uh, hell, I, I agree with you about this about the Stanton uh, contract. You got to get the hell up out of that contract. You got to get the hell up out of that contract. The only problem is nobody's taking on that contract. I, not even a, a, yeah. a, a fool would be a, a literally fool contract, man. So that's that's the only problem. 
Ugh. I, I, let me ask you about that. Do you, is there any way to even convince Stanton to restructure that thing? Uh, would he, would he even be willing to uh, even consider that? I mean, you know, uh, ah, I, you know, if I, if I were him, I, I, I can't see, you know, if I were yeah. him, I would say, Hey, I'm on the, the, you know, what is considered, I hate to say this cause I'm, I hate the Yankees with a passion, but they do have 27 championships. The, I'm, I mean, I'm a Mets fan. I hate them with a badger, but the greatest baseball franchise of all time, right? You were with the Marlins before and you were getting paid mm-hmm. less money and you were playing better. So what, yeah. do you need to go somewhere where the spotlight yeah. isn't? Is that the problem? Because Judge should be taking all the attention, so you shouldn't really need to worry about that. Um, if I'm him, I go to the Yankees and restructure immediately because I want to stay on that team that has aspirations for world championships instead of getting traded mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh and spending the rest of my time doing nothing and not having a Hall of Fame career where you still, if you can turn it around, may have a chance if you can hit 500 home runs to have a Hall of Fame career. And if you're out there mm-hmm. with a lineup of uh, yeah. Soto, Judge, and Stanton, and you got those three monsters back to back. If Stanton can get back to form, that is something I would never want to see as any pitcher in the whole wide world. Um, I do have to correct myself on one thing earlier when I said the 400 OPS. What I meant was Rizzo. Rizzo? Oh, my bad. My bad. Good. Good. No, no, no. I was going to ask you, Rizzo's still in that lineup, right? Yeah, he's still there. But I mean, okay. Anthony I mean, Rizzo still in that line. Oh, he's 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 decent. He's decent. You know what I'm saying? But I'm ta- I'm talking about monster <laughs> power. I'm talking about monster. They're gonna have to fill out their lineup. They're gonna have to fill out their lineup somehow, right? Uh, gotcha. I mean, yeah, uh, the Yankees don't care to go over the luxury tax, and if they do sign Yosha uh, Hibu Yamamoto, the pitcher out oh. of Japan, who are favorites to sign with him, he wants a $300 contract. So now you're looking at, right, I mean, they're going to go over that Steve Cohen newly implemented $297 million luxury tax. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, I just think the Yankees just set themselves up to just be and just, uh, you know, not saying that they're going to buy a championship. Obviously, you can't buy a championship. You still got to show up and play uh, through a 162-game schedule. Um, mm. But Damn it! Uh, they they made it. Uh, it made the road a lot more easier for them. Uh, but uh, with this big trade going down, obviously, at one point in time, when the hell are we going to hear Shohei Ohtani's name get signed? Man, I mean, I know we kind of touched on on it last night, but usually uh, in sports, when you see a big trade like this or big names start getting moved, that's one of the dominoes that kind of falls. Uh, Talk to us, oh I mean, what are you hearing out there that at some point in time that Shohei's gonna do something? Yeah, and before we get to Shohei, I just want to uh um address your last comment and Italy Jets comment. Um, they don't have pitching, and that's what they're gonna need to get now. The Yankees is because they've depleted their farm system pitching, and so now they're and and so now they're gonna have to hope they get Yamamoto or other pitchers to combine with Garrett Cole or else you know, that's going to be an issue going forward. Um, that being said, to answer uh, your question about yeah. Otani, um, we, as we talked about yesterday, super, super, super secretive, right? Um, he, there have been some drama going on in the last 
24 hours since we talked. Yeah. So the Blue Jays decided to keep everything on the hush-hush, right? He went and visited their complex in Dunedin, Florida. He went and toured the facilities. He has a good feeling with the Blue Jays. They also said, we have our priorities when asked, and that's all they said. Now, let's look at the West Coast and the Dodgers, who he also visited. Unfortunately, and I don't think, and we'll get to this in a second. Unfortunately, let me set the drama up first. Let me not bury the lead. Uh, Dave Roberts decided <laughs> when asked to say, oh, yeah, we met with Otani. It was great. He's a priority of ours. The GM comes down and asks, uh, hey, so what is this about y'all meeting with Otani? Um, we have our priorities. Uh, no comment. So whether the, the, the GM of the Dodgers is upset with Roberts for spilling the beans, so to say, whether that will affect the actual recruitment of Otani, uh, only Otani knows. But we know one thing about him is he likes his privacy. And he also, and this is a known portion of all Asian culture, is they stand by their word. And they are very big into having, uh, you know, a, a, their word is their bond mm. sort of thing. And so when Otani says something and does something, he's going to stick to that. And when he asks you to keep your mouth shut and then you go around blabbing your mouth that you've been meeting with uh, people. Well, Dave Roberts, you better hope and pray. You better go home tonight, get on your knees and pray that that does not bite you in the ass because... A comment like that could send him to Toronto. Mm, just like that, just it, just just being, uh, uh, you know, uh, as Italy you know just mean? says, uh, Japanese players are very private, and yeah, they take that as disrespect. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, hey, <laughs> imagine imagine trying to keep your job after you just cost us show hair, Tony. <laughs> oh, get out. Get out right in the back. Think about it, they bro. They're they going to pack his stuff for him. Dave Roberts' box going to be at the front. Dodgers head. Sir, see your way out and don't ever see your way back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm serious, man. Hey, you cost the Dodgers a chance to sign Shohei Tony just because you couldn't keep your mouth shut. I don't know about you. That's a fireball offense. That's a just saying. Just saying. He gone. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Um, yo, he gone. <laughs> he gone. Um, those are not the only transactions. Uh, a couple of transactions that's been going on. Uh, the Diamondbacks uh, signed Eduardo Rodriguez. How big of a deal is that? Yeah, I mean that he's he's been big for them, um, uh, you know, in the past. And Eduardo Rodriguez signed, I believe, it was four years, eighty million, right-handed pitcher, uh, top of the market right now. I mean, and that, well, not top of the market. I, let me take that back. Let me back up my words. Obviously, top of the market would be Yamamoto, Blake Snell, other pitchers like that. Um, we already saw Aaron Nola got signed, but he is that next level. He is that second level pitcher that you need is a second third starter that is perfect that perfect second third starter that you need when you get to the playoffs right 
He's going to be, and I apologize. He's with the Cardinals. My apologies. Um, but anyways, he's that exact second, third starter that you need when you get to the playoffs. He is playoff experience and he's durable. Um, he has had some injury questions in the past few years, but in the past, he's usually been a person in his early part that was able to, um, you know, stay healthy. So as long as he can uh, not get injured, um, then he'll, he'll be a big pickup for that team. I think the Diamondbacks uh, had a really good team last year. The problem is that's very hard to do to repeat with a team constructed as the Diamondbacks were. That's like the Rays. I mean, that, not the Rays. That's like um, how the Marlins did where they built things up for a World Series run, but they're not a big market team. So can they keep that payroll up? You know, uh, uh, do do they have Tommy Pham to come back? Um, you know, do, do they sign their their bullpen, you know, arms to come back? So a lot of questions still to be said about Diamondbacks. Yeah, that sounds sounds very oddly familiar of my Kansas City Royals built up from the farm system, small market team, couldn't afford everybody, and I uh, we were lucky to go to two World Series, win one of them. So that's as good as it gets. I, I mean, it happens like that when you're a small market team. Uh, you got to capitalize on what you can when you got it. Uh, it's almost like hitting lightning in a bottle. You might make a certain trade here or there, give up a couple of prospects to bring in uh, proven players immediately to help you but you're not going to be able to keep everybody so you got to capitalize uh catch that lightning in a bottle and hope that you at least walk away with one world series uh let alone multiple so i mean it'd be like that it be like that so um craig kimbrell uh goes to the uh baltimore orioles obviously helps out their uh bullpen uh, is that a good uh good sign for them uh baltimore was one of the surprise teams last year. Obviously, they went from 100 so losses to 108 wins. Um, and unfortunately, they had a huge injury last year. Felix Bautista, their huge, huge closer, got injured in August and was not able to go into the playoffs with them. And I believe that that hurt them a lot in the playoffs. Now, also, you know, their offense went cold when needed to. Also, the short game series everything else you can say about the MLB playoffs and the complaints that people have about it. That being said, Felix Bautista probably is not going to be back. Uh, I don't actually know his estimated time of return, um, but I would highly doubt it's going to be any time until late 2024. So picking up Craig Kimbrell, who is a possible, I would say he's borderline right now, um, Hall of Fame, uh, you know, that's a great pickup for them. And if he can be a veteran presence to the rest of that young bullpen, uh, I think that, uh, you know, that could be a big help. But, yeah, as Italy Jet says, you know, which Kimbrel are you going to get to show up? Because, you know, Kimbrel can be off and on in the playoffs. So, Hey, that's a fair point. I like that's a fair point. I like Kimbrel, uh, I uh, both. Yeah. 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 Fair point by both of you gentlemen. I, I, We've seen the good of of Craig Kimbrell and we've seen him uh, give up the cheeks. Uh, we've seen both versions <laughs> of him. <laughs> hey, which one you gonna get? Which one you gonna get? Not the cheeks. Yeah, give up the cheeks. Uh, last but not least, um, Phillies and Bryce Harper are in uh, extension talks. Uh, is this wise to, to extend Harper for, for uh, you know, a, a, a little bit of more time? 
or just uh, you know get what you can out the last few years of contract or move on? Like, what's the what do you think would be the best option to do with a uh, uh, Bryce Harper right now? Uh, he is a Philadelphia Philly now. He is a Philadelphia Philly for the rest of his life. Um, yeah, I don't think there is any way you can't uh, not resign him. He is the heart and soul of that team. Uh, when he chose them over the Nationals within the same NL East rivalry division, uh, that was huge. He broke the hearts of many Nats fans. I know I'm from D.C., uh, having many Nats friends that were, were are still pissed at him till this day, still pissed at Soto. Um, you know, that goes into a lot deeper of the Nationals management and owner problems than anything. But, um, you know, I think it's, ooh, that's that's something you you really have no choice. You have to. Give him the money. Let him be the heart and soul of your team. Hope you win, like you said, a championship, um, you know, or, or two in the near few, uh, you know, in the next couple of years um, to go, uh, you know, and 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 uh, hope you can you can create a little mini dynasty. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's because um, I do remember at that point in time you were looking at Bryce Harper, Mike Trout being the, the names. Uh, of major league baseball and uh you know uh you gotta uh, uh just like illy jet uh, said uh you you gotta do whatever you can to uh, get harper back to stay uh he reps philly well and, and embraces it um yes, he does. and you want players like that that in, that are you know they integrate themselves with the city oh. you know what i'm saying uh not only uh uh you know integrate with the fans uh charity work uh you know uh, appearances not afraid to to be a part of the city and not just hey uh, i'll play for the phillies you know i'm in philadelphia you know it's it's sometimes certain players uh kind of extend the the i guess the characteristic of certain cities you know like they embodying it embody, like they are, are are literally the 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 <laughs> example of what that city yeah, they embody it. <laughs> hey, and, and, he is, and Harper, he is. he's, he, he's embracing Philly. Philly guy, They're embracing you know him. Mean? Yeah, so it's like he he fits it. He fits that city well. Uh, speaking of Philly, um, as we transition this, uh, let's uh, uh, great baseball talk. But let's flip this to some uh, basketball. Speaking of Philly, uh, Joel Embiid dropped a fifty burger tonight. Uh, I'm only bringing this up is because obviously him being the MVP last year, um, when you have performances like this, it helps. It helps build your MVP uh, status. But for me, I'm bringing this up is because I'm seeing Joel Embiid drop 50 burgers constantly on a regular basis year in and year out. And me as a Laker fan, it pisses me off. Oh. Not because Joel Embiid is doing it. It pisses me off is because dumbass Anthony Davis is not getting talked about on the same level as him is because he doesn't always perform at the same level of a Joel Embiid. It pisses me off, oh. Like, Anthony Davis, his name should be up there with Joel Embiid, with Jokic. It should be. His name should be mentioned up there, but it doesn't because this son of a bitch is so damn inconsistent. Mm. It's like, oh, it drives me crazy. But how impressive is you see him be dropping 50 burgers on like a on, on a like a normal basis like every year? It's just ridiculous, man. 
<laughs> I mean, if if, if you want to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo, and you want to talk about uh, the alien Wemby, and you want to talk about no, you know what? Give me Joel Embiid, a healthy Joel Embiid, dropping fifty, leading the league in scoring for a third straight year as a center. What are you kidding? And and let me let me let the fans into a quick fact here. What else is really great is that he is tenth in the league in assist percentage, and he has his. He is dishing out his highest rate of assists at 6.6 per game. So not only is he leading the league in scoring, but now he's dishing like a point guard. Are you kidding me? His box plus minus is 10.9. He's just killing the game right now. I mean, there's nothing else you can say. Not to mention the fact, I said it. Get rid of Harden. Unlock Maxi, and unlock another level of Embiid. And that's exactly what has happened. I, it looks like they gotten better uh, uh, addition by subtraction, if you ask me. But I'm going to say this real quick, because you bring up Joel Embiid's assist rate going up. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that it's kind of uh, Nikola Jokic's in the different Nuggets' fault why you kind of seeing this from Joel Embiid? Ooh. Because you see Jokic being the facilitator as well as the number one scoring option on the Denver Nuggets team. And, you know, one back-to-back MVPs, you know, make an argument he could have won 30 in a row last year, but they gave it to Embiid. I'm looking at what Jokic is doing, and you turn around and you see the assist numbers go up for Embiid this year. He's probably looking at what Jokic's been doing to win those two MVPs. Could have won for third last year and says, you know what? Huh. Hey, coach, you see what uh, that big Serb is doing in Denver? I can do that, too. Can we integrate mm. that into our offense? Which, mm. I mean, I mean, just, just think about it. It kind of has to be in a little effect on him saying, hey, man, I can do that, too. And if that's, if that's going to easily put you in the MVP race, as in making sure that, okay, it, I'm going to get the 25, uh, average 25 points. That's, that's nothing. I'm going to play the defense. That's nothing. Let me throw the assist in there. You know, make it so that people can't get uh, voters' exhaustion on voting for you because, hey, I've maximized my assist numbers at a higher level than I ever had before. I think this is Joel B saying that I'm about to take my game to another level and I'm about to walk away with another MVP. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, not only is it fair to say, I would say he is not only the front runner, but if he continues where he's going, he definitely will. Um, Not only, well, a couple of reasons. A is the improvement in the game. Like you mentioned, when you get beat by someone else for an MVP and you take that personally and you say, I'm going to improve my game and get better and you get substantially better like he has, yeah, no doubt about it. Now, that being said, you look at that counterpart, the joker that you're talking about who, you know, is averaging almost a triple-double, right? 29 points, 15 rebounds, and 9.8 assists. He is .2 away from averaging a triple-double as a center. Um, So while we're looking at Yoel, I mean, 
Jokic was the innovator of that style, right? So, you know, we're going against the the the, te- the, the teacher against the student. You know what I mean? So, where where do you come down on that? I think I agree with you on one point that voter exhaustion, voter fatigue is a thing. Um, they don't like handing them out three times in a row. Larry Bird did it, but only because, like you like you mentioned, he was one of those people that just steadily improved his game every year and just got so much better that they had no choice but to give it to him. And so I'm really excited to see how this plays out the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, it's going to make it uh, it's going to make it one of those deals where it's going to be hard uh, to, you know, uh, for those voters on his MVP uh, when it comes down to uh, April. Uh, how the hell do you do, do you vote this? Um, let's stick in the NBA real quick. Um, this NBA in season tournament. Uh, I'll be honest. I was not a fan of it at first. And then all of a sudden, you know, you kind of see the intensity of the games kind of go up. Uh, the players, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and certain fans. Uh, when I saw the Indiana Pacers the other day, your fans were going crazy for that end season tournament game. I mean, it seemed like it was a playoff atmosphere. And I'm like, what the hell is this? This is a this is a tournament game. Like, what what are we doing? It's it's November, December. They they getting hyped for it. And man, uh, I might have been wrong about it. Uh, I think that the, the NBA uh, might be on to something. Uh, what are, what are your uh, some of your thoughts on this NBA in season tournament, man? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I. I, you know, when I, I, I just mentioned that to you like 30 minutes before the show, I said, Hey, maybe we should talk a little bit uh, in season tournament just because the semifinals are tomorrow because I felt the same way as you did when it started. I wasn't in, I wasn't intrigued. I didn't care. Actually, I was, I was opposite of most people. I didn't care about the basketball because I knew it was early season basketball that the championship teams should not be focused on. Uh, I was I was more happy about the courts. I was like, oh, like a little mm. kid. Look at all the cool colors and designs. Look at the pel- pelicans looking like a cool <laughs> Joker design. Like that was me. I was like, that's all I care about. Um, but you know what? They Thank proved you. me wrong. This was one of the <laughs> best decisions mm-hmm. next to the play-in that they have made to make basketball better. Because what was the complaints we had? Late season teams were tanking. Play and solve that. Early season teams didn't want to play. Players didn't want to play hard because we already knew who was going to be in the playoffs anyways. Um, What did this solve? Now players are coming out playing hard, which is a double-edged sword. A You know, it's a blessing and a curse. We're getting really great games, like you said. I'm a Celtics fan, so I hate your Lakers. Um, so we, we're, we're battling on all fronts here, my friend. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know... Uh, I did not like how Tyrese Halliburton. I did not like how Tyrese Halliburton came in and dusted us with a triple double and just put it on us with 26, 10, and 13 and sent us home. I was like, what? You got y'all can't even win a semifinal game against a team that you just blew out by 45 two weeks ago. Uh, but that is to show you that Tyrese Halliburton is uh is a is a star in this league if he can continue shooting he's at 52 percent right now if he yeah. can continue shooting 50 percent, he'll be the first player in nba history to have 25 points 10 assists and shoot 50 over 50 percent for the season Hall- halliburton is uh playing on another damn level right now he is hooping hooping 
uh, hooping, hooping. Uh, I mean, it's it's ridiculous on what he's doing right now. Uh, man, uh, matter of fact, let's not even uh, take our opinions on the uh, in-season tournament. Let's hear what uh, uh, Adam Silver had to say as he sat down um, with, uh, you know, Pat McAfee. Let's kind of listen to what he said. Is a huge motion of support from one of your biggest stars in the league. Are you taking a victory lap with this thing? Because we saw the reaction whenever it was announced and you stood firm behind it. And how do you think it's panned out? And when are you giving yourself a parade for this thing, Adam? Well, no victory lap yet. Let's wait till we get through Saturday. So we got, okay. of course, you know, Thursday semifinals and and the ultimate cup game. And thanks for wearing that jersey hey. on Saturday. Thank you. Uh, you know, one thing that we knew from the beginning it was so interesting to hear Kevin there, because when people ask me, how would you know if it was successful? Of course, you can look at attendance, you can look at ratings and social media chatter. And even the fact that we're talking about it now are, are all signs of success. But I said, it'll be measured in terms of the enthusiasm of the players. Um, will they take it seriously? Will they compete? Will they play, you know, as opposed to load management in these regular season games? Um, will they care about winning? Will they care about going to Vegas? Will they care about the prize money? And it seems like Katie just checked off the whole list right there in terms of the things, including the colorful courts that I know are a little bit controversial. <laughs> but so I think from that standpoint, a great start. And, and in terms of our, our, our you know, belief that this could be successful. Again, you think 30% of the players in this league roughly are born outside of the United States. Many of them grew up soccer fans around the world or competing in international basketball tournaments um, where there are often cups along the way. I mean, I had a kind of a conversation the, the other day with J.J. Redick, of course, a colleague on ESPN now. And even he and I were talking about when he was at Duke that they, they didn't call them cup competitions, but there was holiday tournaments and you know the alaska shootout and things like that and so and, and lebron as lebron said the, i think it was last night too after the game that these are the most competitive people in the world and if you give them a format to compete and their prizes and 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 you know it's it's structured in a way where they can do things like get to vegas and get additional prize money they're going to be all in so I, i'm thrilled to see that you know i'll only say in terms of the victory lap you know a lot of learning from the first time around lot that people want to talk about i'm sure we can improve on it but we're off to a great start yeah uh adam silver said a lot there but there's a couple couple of points that uh, i want to point out that caught my ear um he said the players enthusiasm in planet that's to me that was probably one of my biggest concerns is because hell uh were they even going to care um we haven't seen the load management uh, uh, we haven't seen, you know, the cats taking the nights off and not wanting to be uh, a part of it. I mean, everybody's pretty much been enthused to participate in it. Uh, that was the buy-in that I wanted to see. I wanted to see the players actually present, playing in it. Uh, he also brought up an another point as in when you see uh, the influx of European players in the NBA, they're used to tournament stuff. And then he brought up the point where a lot of your players who play college ball, remember uh, the Maui Invitational, the, uh, uh, you know, some of the inv uh, tournament invitations at the beginning of the season. So this, this really isn't something different. And the bottom point is competitiveness. These guys want to compete. Uh, and, you know, $500,000 incentive is never a bad thing anyway. <laughs> you 
No, <laughs> they, they got experience in life. So, uh, but no, uh, what did you take from from hearing that clip from uh, from Adam Silver, man? The best players do want to play, um, but also let's let's be let's be real honest with ourselves. If this wasn't a tournament, we'd still be talking about load management. We'd still be talking about how players weren't interested before the Christmas Day games. Um, Or even sometimes, you know, March or April, if we really want to be honest about it. Um, So while KD said some things, I don't believe that KD was totally forthright with everything that he said. I believe that he wanted to win because I believe he's a competitor. But do I think he really cares that much about winning this tournament? No, I don't really believe so. But it's also not KD that this is for. This is to, um, uh, well, I I should take that back. It is obviously to try to inspire participation, right? But this is more for the fans and to inspire the bench players, the younger players, right, that aren't getting paid $30 million a year, right? Um, uh, you know, giving them something, incentivizing them something to play for. Some of those people are only making a million and that's half of their contract that they can win. So of course they're going to play harder. Uh, you know, I think mm. it's great for the league, mm. especially again with all those European players coming in, like you said, that's what they're used to. But it's not what we're used to in America and it's still going to have to take some getting used to. I don't care how much enthusiasm there has been for it so far. Um, while I think it's good for the game, let's see how long that enthusiasm continues. Uh, you know, I would hope to see the same enthusiasm within four to five years, but I don't know that it will be there. Mm. Hey, I, I, you never know. Uh, it can it can fizzle out. Um, it can it can it can, it can thrive. Uh, I, I thought you brought up a great point about the you know your lesser played players who are going to give that maximum effort in this in-season tournament to get that $500,000 incentives. I thought that's a great point because you look at it this way. If you are able to maximize their their effort and get the best out of them, you might create another superstar. You might create another uh, important piece to your team. Yes. You never know how uh, something like a tournament with $500,000 on the line and I'm making $500,000 and I can just double up my yearly salary and hey, uh, I can turn that into a a max contract. I can Mm. turn that into something where I ain't worried about, you know, uh, getting my minutes uh, because now they see now they see what they got. Now they see that I'm willing to, uh, you know, uh, take the charges. I'm willing to defend the best uh, offensive guy. I'm willing to dive on the floor for a loose ball. I'm willing to facilitate. I'm willing to do any and everything to get my damn ass on the court, get my minutes, and show that I'm worth any type of money. I thought that's uh, <laughs> that's why they call him the sports professor, Ooh, baby. <laughs> that's why they call him the sports professor, baby. <laughs> Oh, great, man. great minds think alike. Hey, great that's, minds think alike. That's, a that's great what point I'm right thinking, there, right? Sure. Like iron sharpens iron. You're 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 heating up those coals and trying to get some diamonds out. Mm-hmm. Of it. And a great point of this, and it's just because again, I'm a Celtics fan and I watched the game and we drafted Aaron Neesmith, 
But this is a great point. Aaron Neesmith was out there defending Jason Tatum with the vigor of of of, of the best defender of Michael Jordan. He was out there defending, drop jumping for balls, alley oop, and trying to get a starting position mm-hmm. because he sees okay. Well, maybe this Pacer team is going to be a contender, and maybe I want to be the starting shooting guard on the contending Pacers team. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. Now, there is one downside to this, my friend, that we need to think about, and that is the point differential. They have to, have to, have to, have to, have to Mm. get rid of the point differential because if you have my Celtics out here in a 40-point blowout in the fourth quarter – and Jason Tatum get a knee injury, Adam Silver, I'm coming up to New York. Me and you going to have some words personally. <laughs> no, no, you, you bring up an excellent point. Uh, uh, because out of all the stuff that I have and in, in information that I've gathered about this in-season tournament, that was, um, that was the only thing that people really had issue with. It's a point differential. Um, like you said, it, what sense does it make for me to be out on the court and I have to win by a certain amount of points to advance? Now I'm, I'm logging unnecessary minutes. I'm, I'm you know, taxing uh, extra, you know, uh, uh, fatigue on my body for no necessarily reason. Uh, and like you said, damn, if one of these guys get hurt, for trying to get point differential, and you're pissing off, you're going to ruin somebody's chances at a Larry O'Brien trophy. Yes, yes. I, I mean, you you mess around and mess around, and and and, and Jason Tatum gets lost because of point differential. Kyrie Irving gets lost because of point differential. LeBron James gets lost because of point differential. Kevin Durant get lost because of point differential. You are killing the team's chances at a Larry O'Brien trophy. So now you trying to make something popping, but you what you're going to do in the long run is mess up your bottom dollar. Because Whatever views or whatever money you think you're gonna make at this in season tournament, no, your big money is 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 in June, in the May, you know, where the, where the finals are played. That's where your big money's at. Don't don't jeopardize that for something in November. That's all I'm you saying. Up, uh, uh, that's all I'm saying. Adam, Adam Silver. That's all I'm saying. You bring, up Le- you bring up LeBron, which is a great point. Wasn't he supposed to have a minutes restriction? And now you got him in the semifinals of this stupid tournament trying to play 48 mm-hmm. minutes a game? Hey. Hey, Adam Silver. Hey, you need consultants. Cut the check. Cut the check. <laughs> cut the check. You need consultants. Just cut the check. That's all. Just cut the check. <laughs> uh, and we got about you know six boy, minutes left hey, in the show. You know your uh, boy is. Uh, let's do hey, a quick. quick you mind real quick? I need yeah. to step on you. I apologize. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know your boy is solutions oriented. Adam Silver. Nah, maybe you think of a. Hey. Maybe you think of a, a single elimination tournament. Maybe you think of a double elimination NCAA kind of baseball regional style tournament. Right. Just get rid of the point differential. There are many other ways to go about this. Bingo. There it is. 
That's why he's a sports professor, baby. Uh, real quick, we're just going to tap into a couple of games uh, that you see important for uh, week 14. Uh, we actually got some some better matchups this week for week 14. Thank goodness. Uh, it, it, it doesn't start well for Thursday. Um, Thursday's matchup is going to be an absolute snooze fest. Uh, that's going to be uh, absolutely dreadful. Uh, between Pittsburgh and New England, that's going to be a pitiful matchup. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I'll probably end up watching it just because I, I, I need something to talk about. But Jesus, that <laughs> that, that thing is going to be so trash, bro. <laughs> wow. That's um. So you got uh, Bills. Uh, well, you got a lot of you got a lot of games that got some playoff implications on it. Uh, Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Bengals, uh, Rams, Ravens, uh, Seahawks, Niners, hmm. Eagles, Cowboys. Uh, uh, what kind of game uh, this week is is sticking out in your mind that that you think that a lot of people should probably pay attention to because it's a lot of importance on it? Uh, what, what comes to your mind real quick on that? Oh. Uh, well, you know, I I am not at all a self-centered person, uh, Mar. I am all about other people. So I'm not going to say that this game is important because the sports professor will be in attendance. No, 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 no. I'll say this game is important because Flowing Canteen and the bottom line sports will be in attendance. Yes, sir. We will be in attendance at the Dallas-Philadelphia Eagles game. The bottom line sports will be all together as a crew having a delightful time. Oh, yeah. We're traveling out to Dallas. I'm taking my dad. I bought bought my dad tickets for Christmas in the end zone. We're going to meet Flo and Cam. We got an Airbnb. We fly out Friday. We're going to have a hell of a time. Uh, That being said, um, I think that is the most important game on the That's. That's going to be dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, too, how it all worked out that they were both Cowboys fans and my dad's a Cowboys fan because if not, I wouldn't be going. But my dad's a Cowboys fan. I was like, you know, we went a couple years ago for the Cowboys-Raiders game. I loved it. So I was like, yeah, let's do it again. (laughs) But anyways, so uh, this game is important in in a couple ways. As you mentioned last night, the Eagles need to bounce back from a crucial loss to the 49ers. The Cowboys have to win this game in terms of tiebreaker divisional uh you know purposes for the playoffs i think the eagles lose this game my brother i think they think i think they pull the san francisco i think they lose three in a row and i think dallas wins at home by probably three it'd probably be a close game but i think dallas is gonna put the eagles to a three-game losing streak my brother mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, uh, let me let me let me mark this down. The sports professor at the fifty-eight minute of episode three ninety-six says the Eagles go on a three-game losing streak. Okay, all right, I got it marked down. So, hey, oh well. Uh, look, I say this: you, your take isn't crazy. Uh, you actually there, and there's there's legit logic to this take um, because we can't forget that the Cowboys literally were inches away from beating uh, the Eagles in Philly a couple of weeks ago. So that's 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 something that it, we can't act like that's not possible. All right, um, 
the Cowboys play better at home. That that's in their favor. Uh, they definitely play better at, at, at Arlington, so that's that's definitely in their favor. Um, we saw how the Eagles been playing with fire all year, and they've been escaping with the, you know, uh, with only two losses. Uh, so it, when you put all that together, the take isn't crazy. Um, and and when you look at, you know, the possible Eagles going on a three game losing streak, that part of the take ain't crazy. Seattle's next week. Seattle is still going to be fighting for playoff mm-hmm. position. They still are be fighting for a wild card. Uh, it'll be a bad time to go on a three-game losing streak for Philly, but I, it's possible. It's very logical that they can really go on a three-game losing streak. Now, I don't think it continues past that. I don't think it continues past Seattle. They'll, they'll figure it out. Um, and, and this game with Dallas will be close. The game with Seattle will be close. So I'm not mad at the take. I'm really not. Uh, it's going to be very, it's going to be very competitive. That's that. I mean, I'm glad they got that Sunday night. Woo, we're going to get a good game Sunday night. I'm happy about that. Um, and look, I'm not going to be a homer. I don't mean to be, but I'm looking at the cheese bills. Both of these, both of these teams need to win. I mean, Chiefs don't Chiefs don't like to go back to back losses, but the Bills, who are sitting there at six and six, you really can't take a loss. Uh, if Bills take another loss, you at six and seven, that leaves you with three, uh, what three, uh, about uh, four more games left in the season. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, a real quick thought on that on 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 that Bills Chiefs uh, uh, game right there. Yeah, I, I promise you, I am not doing this because I'm a Raiders fan and you're a Chiefs fan. But your Chiefs are struggling, man. Your Chiefs are struggling. They slipped to 22.9 points per game, they 11th in the league. They've scored fewer than 20 points in six games this season. That's only happened six times since Mahomes' first five seasons as a starter. Mm. So they've done it as much in one year as they did in his first five years as a starter. Something's going on in Kansas City, and the inconsistency is 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 just it's, it's got to be maddening for y'all because it's maddening for me. The other inconsistency is my damn Super Bowl pick, the Buffalo Bills. Um, but <laughs> as you mentioned, <laughs> the, I know I, I said, Patrick, don't ever put, I'm sorry. I was sorry to put rivers on your man yeah. like that. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry. I think the Bills coming out of a bye. <laughs> I, I think the Bills coming out of a bye. They need this win. I think yeah. they go in and get the win. I think they go in and they beat the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm trust me, uh, you're not offending me at all. Uh, it, looking at what the Chiefs been doing has been very, very. Uh, uh, and then I know I know a lot of people like, oh, your team's eight and four. You know, you Super Bowl champs. Uh, you know, you guys been in the AFC Championship game the last five years. Well. When you look at our history, especially my history, the the time I've been alive on this earth, I haven't had the opportunity to be on this side of the coin with the Chiefs. All right. Mm. And now that I am on this side of the coin with the Chiefs, there's a certain level of expectations that they have set for us now as Chief fans. And when they're not meeting it, it rattles the cage. It rattles the cage. 
I mean, I'm just going to be honest. It does. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, and the crazy thing, what really irks me with the Chiefs is it's something that's very fixable because it's literally fundamental shit that they're really inconsistent on, which is causing them to be whatever the hell they are on offense. It's, it's literally fundamental shit. Uh, catching the football. Uh, you know, they keep adding on to that number. Last time I just checked, I think it's 32 drops leading the league. Uh, you know, false starts. Uh, holding penalties. Uh, not lining up properly. Running the wrong route. Like, literally, um, there was a couple of routes in, uh, against Green Bay. Dudes are running to the safety instead of running to the open, open field. So you, you see things like that. You see problems that are so minute that are continue to happen in week 13 that should have been corrected after week one. Mm. And you're like, all right, now we got fundamental problems. So that's that's why it's you're like, oh, it's disgusting. But it is what it is. I'm just glad that we got some good games for week 14. Uh, when you really look up and down this docket, there's some games that have some uh, playoff potential uh, seedings on them. And whether you, your team could go up and down on that uh, playoff in or out. So um, this might be, uh, in my opinion, I think it might be the most competitive NFL week uh, besides uh, week 18, where you have a lot of division games uh, closing out the season. So I think you're going to have a, uh, you're going to see a lot of competitive games this week. Um, even, hey, e- even your Raiders and Vikings, there's some there's some implications on that game. Uh, Raiders are trying to fight to get back in wild card position. Uh, the Vikings, <laughs> the Raiders, the Raiders. Hey. <laughs> hey. Y'all fighting for something too, man. Hey, it's competitive. It's going to be a competitive week, brother. Gonna so, by the way, did you see that? Uh, you, I because I heard your rant on the Trevor Lawrence, uh, with the no cart. I think so too. And he came out and he said, uh, he said, uh, oh, I know I refuse the cart. I was like, you nah, get your ass on the cart, sit down before I break your other leg. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing refusing the car? Get your sit sit down, bro. Like, what are you talking about? Are, are you trying to prove to us that you're, that you're a tough guy? Hey, we don't no. care. We don't want you on that. the field, bro. I'm not even a Jaguars fan, but the NFL product is better with you on the field. Like, come on, what are we doing? Like, oh, I don't know, man. Hey, man, I... Man, hey, two nights. Hey, it was so nice. We had to do it twice. Uh, my man, oh, joined me late night. But man, oh, drop them socials for the people so they can come see you, man. Yes, sir. Thank you very much again for having me on. It is the sports professor. You can find me at Ball and Buds, B A L L A N D B U D S. Go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And as well, you can catch me on the Bottom Line Sports. That's at the Bottom Line Sports with my man's flow. Canteen, Hot Take, Jake, and y'all, this weekend is Dallas week. We're going to the Cowboys-Eagles game. You will catch a special live bottom line sports. We're going to do it live in Dallas, maybe from the power plant, maybe from the stadium. We ain't sure yet, but be on the lookout. Join the Facebook group 
at the bottom line sports see us there this weekend my man mark thank you so much for having me this week brother it was an honor it was a pleasure i had the most amazing time and obviously i won't be able to be on for the next week or so but i do hope again to be on soon my friend on come on hey my brother the door is always open to you. You already know what you got to do to get up on here, man. Uh, it was a, a pleasure. was all mine. Uh, I'll always enjoy talking sports with the sports professor. And y'all y'all heard him. Please go to all his socials. Ball and Buzz Sports and Entertainment. Bottom Line Sports. Go show those fellas over there at Bottom Line Sports some love. Uh, great, great group of fellas. Love their content. Hey. You also know where to find us, IW Sports Network, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Hit that bell notification. Let you know when we drop new content. Spread the word on everybody's content. IW Sports Network, Ball and Buzz Sports Entertainment, Bottom Line Sports. Spread the love. Spread the word. Hey, hey, support is free. I'm telling you, it's free. That's all you got to do. Uh, yeah. Holla at me, KC Wildcard Mart, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We all there. We everywhere. Hey, I'm done for the week. Uh, check us out Thursday. We got our Thursday afternoon show. Uh, I'll be back with the Late Night Owl show next Monday. Until then, hey, y'all going to enjoy y'all weekend. Enjoy a, a fantastic week of sports. And we're going to talk about it all. We love y'all. Peace and love. Seeing traces, visual lasers, load across the scene is dangerous, aggressive like behavior. Couple monsters from my neighbors, resisting human nature, persistently getting greater. Bloodshed, let's determine Fire up the green, I need an increase of dopamine. Feel better, so I kill better. Dope up for cocaine. Woman like I never had a home, so I'm all alone. Smoking bones down the chromosomes till the filter's gone. Suffocating under heavy pressure, the signature marks are the cornerstone of a nigga that's ready to spark. Like the pathway through the treacherous, wonderful dark. Searching for a lost spark, curators of a lost art. Desperately holding shit together until it falls apart. Blood stuck to pull in the water, just waiting on the shots. Love is the deadliest game, but I'll just massacre your heart. Staring at your body, wondering how did we start? Fuck, man, I think a nigga about to spaz out. Cause I don't give a fuck no more when I'm down to my last night. Then I went out of love, then I looked down about the pass out. Speeding down the highway in this challenge, afraid to count out and crash out. Dump the ash out, give it all up, dump the cash out. Make every second count, I just wanna see that ass bounce. Bitch, what you talking about? Drop dead, then leave the party, nigga, watch your damn mouth. You don't wanna get me started. Go. Pedal to the metal, hit the floor Flying through the city, that's about to blow Got the main, got the shaky goat You already know how this can go, I'm about to leave Slide through the streets, I need for speed Feel the breeze, finger twisting up the sweet If you're looking for a baby, you gon' see Pay attention, bitch, that shit for free Get on sleep, yeah, nothing left to put the creeps Got the main, got the shaky goat You already know how this can go, I'm about to leave Slide through the 
nothing sweet. If you're looking for a baby, you gon' see. Pay attention, bitch, I 